Here at the Recycle Garage in Beyond Balls Haunt, sunny Santa Cruz, California. Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Liza and um, yeah, it's hot. It's real hot. I know, no sympathy from everyone, but you know, we we have to whine a little bit. Um, We have a really big show, really, really big show for you tonight. This is one I've been working on for three Three years. I'm pretty. I think excited. I think I've I've looked forward to a few shows like this one, um, because only because Liza's talked about it for so long, and Liza does not talk about things for a long time lately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is it? Is it because you found a Harley that you like? Oh no no no! I'm talking about what's coming after <laughs> that. <clears throat> but we'll get to that. But first, I let's get to who is here with us today. Uh, Coming to us from his shed, it's Naked Jim. Hey, I get to go first. What's up? Yeah. Life's crazy. Take a deep breath in and smile. <laughs> Words of wisdom for today. Good advice. And looking all dapper with his new haircut, it's Knock. It's 107 degrees in here. It's fucking balls hot, dude. <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah, we're not. Oh, dude, I just realized, Knock, your haircut looks like one that Lucas would get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's nice. true. It's like, it's I'm like, sorry, but yeah. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's not that bad. And uh, looking fine and, and cool in her camisole. It's Miss Emma. Hello, darlings. Um, and I'm, I'm looking at my phone, and here in Monterey, it is still... 79 degrees. Get out of here. Which is lovely. Yeah, but nevertheless, that is bulls hot for Monterey, darling. Exactly. Yes, it is. Exactly. And uh, coming to us from a hotel in an undisclosed location, it's Bagel. It's Bagel. Bagel, did you mute? Oh, he's gone. He's undisclosed. Oh, we lost him. So, yeah, he said he doesn't have great Wi-Fi there, so he'll be popping Is he evacuated in. still? He is not. He is house hunting in another oh, state. Good. Oh, he's what, in what, one that's of not good. those hotels. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, knock, you're muted again. All right. Welcome to the shit show. <laughs> A really big shit show. Uh, yeah. No, it's not. It's actually a quite lovely motorcycle culture podcast. Um, hey, uh, I wanted to. Oh, I think he's coming back. Um, hey. I, I wanted to share. Um, so Adrian came by today. Yes. Uh, and, oh, I missed and, her. And uh, she was. She's one of the people who lost her house in the fire, and mm-hmm. uh, she was able to come by and get a bunch of gear, including jim because i just bought new dirt biking gear she was able to take some of my dirt biking gear oh how cool yeah you know what i was gonna say and i think we talked about this if she's looking for a bike i got an fc6 sitting here doing nothing she's got a lot of people have offered her bikes she said she's kind of overwhelmed with how many people have offered her bikes so now she's right sitting on. back and gonna pick and choose and right now i think i'm in the lead with the ktm 990 
Oh, anyway, wow. Charlie you offered up a Charlie reality. offered up a DRZ 400 like that compares. <laughs> it kind of does, but no. Yeah, and Knock just offered up his dick. <laughs> okay, well, I'm hands down. Hey, Knock, I need a new motorcycle. Handies, <laughs> handies. Old fashions. No, so again, I'm just putting out the word out there. Um, if there's anyone who did lose their gear in any of these fires, well, I guess not just... Well, in California, if you can come here because it's free and we don't have to ship it to you, come on down. Um, we just reorganized the whole gear room, got it, things sorted a lot better. We've had so many awesome people send us gear. We're, we're full for now. So thank you, everyone. Uh, we do not need any more gear at this time. We need to give it away. So that's kind of the big project now, getting organized and, and getting out there. But I was glad that Adrian could be one of those recipients. I'll say the one exception might be for um, first rides. So, Clay, I was yeah. talking to Charlie the mm -hmm. other day, and first rides could use kids' gear because a lot of times you'll have a bunch of kids show up for their first day of riding, and you need, like, seven of the exact same size of everything. Mm -hmm. But you need that for different groups of kids. So I think kids' gear is always welcome. And they do age range, like, 5 to 19 or something, so they need everything. Yeah, yeah. I found some more, yeah. some kids' dirt biking pants that were in really good condition, so that went home with Charlie. Um, I wanted to um, see. So I mentioned that we have a really big show, and I'm going to just tease this out a bit. Um, like I said, I've been working on this for three years, and our guest tonight is somebody who this this has been number one on my list for a while. And Emma, you had talked about like the number one uh, for you was Wes Cooley, right? Well, uh, that was a big that was a big one. Me. Yes, exactly. That was the big one for me because you know here's somebody who I thought was just the greatest thing since sliced bread. Number one for me would to be get a séance going and right. talk to Barry Sheen. Yeah. But you know, um, second that Wes Cooley really was the highlight. But this person you've got coming on later, it's mm -hmm. a big deal, Liza. Um, and Nock, would you say Wayne, was Wayne Rainey kind of your top? I think that was a pretty big one for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's like I think about Mert Lawwell, you know? Oh, yeah. We yeah. Had, Mert, interviewed that was him and things like that. And, you. you know, you go back to on any Sunday, got the poster right there. And you think about the impact on writing, and this person has had just as much of an impact. It's amazing. Well, and I think the thing, too, is we've talked to a lot of people, and we I think people really enjoy talking to us because we just get this really kind of like, they're just one of the gang, shooting the shit, right, having fun. But every now and then there are ones like, I'm nervous for this one. I know you guys are all are calm and cool, but for me, this is a big one. So I can't wait. Um, she will be coming on soon. Ooh, ooh, there was a tease. Oh, God, contain yourself, Liza. <laughs> Come on now. Um, but You're I wanted boiling to... like a little kettle. Ah, oh, dude, I know. <laughs> I wanted to talk real quick about the new Harley Davidson. Did y'all get a take a look at the new 338? Yeah, I always saw the blurb on, like, uh, your typical online news, motorcycle news web pages. And they're just it, it's approved to go by the end of this year from uh, another Chinese company that's partnering up with AP. Is that what's happening? Yeah. So yeah, there it's a Chinese company that's making it. It's a why is it called a oh it's called the third three thirty eight, but it's a three fifty three cc parallel twin engine. And um, oh okay, and it's being used on the Quanzhong and Benelli branded 
models. Okay. And you um, see, that's <clears throat> something I want to make clear before we start, because as soon as you mention made in China, a lot of people are going to go, oh, Christ, you know. We've talked about this before with Brandon, who does a lot of manufacturing out in China. China will make exactly what you want and exactly what quality you want. So, yes, there's a lot of very hokey stuff comes out of China, but there's a lot of very good stuff as well. So I would love to see this thing in the flesh. Well, the well, other you said it's got a it's got a Benelli motor, right? Well, right, it's exactly. a it's a motor being used by Benelli, and what that tells me, it's kind of reminds me of like Lifan, who they make a ton of those motors. I think something that's going to have this many um, motors going out there on different bikes has a better chance of being a better quality, right? Well, it also has the Harley name brand, you know, so you're not going to sling something. If you want to build a, build a relationship, you don't want it to be a failure out the gate. So maybe, like Emma would say, it's Honda's flagship built in Japan. This may be a Chinese flagship for Harley-Davidson. Well, this is not coming to the States. We don't know this yet. This is the state side, right? We don't know yet. No, that's, it's, that's what this article is saying. Is that while there are no plans to bring the HP38 stateside, Nelly has a well-known network of service centers in the U.S., so potentially it could be coming here. The, 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 the distribution network is here in the States, but it's primarily made for not America. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But that unless, is true. Unless Harley starts selling bucket loads of Street 500 and 750s, um, and we've talked extensively about those two bikes, and I'm not going to rehash it, but... Unless people stop buying those things in mass, Harley are really going to want to look elsewhere for an entry-level bike. Uh, and Emma, can I, re they, uh, can I rehash it real quick? Yeah, if you want to. If, and I, I just want to say, um, the, the I don't like the Street 500 and 750. I want to. I don't like it based upon the fact that I've seen one here at the garage that was less than a year old and it had a rust on it which told me that they used cheap manufacturing and I, I i know they had to get it to a certain price point so i get it but i don't like seeing signs like that because that tells me that they've gone cheap on stuff so what else did they go cheap on i don't know but um and it just didn't have the styling that really caught your attention but you know, i'll just dis i'll disagree with you there okay on which well, one? I'll say for, on the styling, at least. Okay. Um, well, uh, my first question though is, what is the retail price? Do we know? Is it under ten grand? I'm sure it is. It's got to be around. So no, this bike is right? not yet slated to come to the U.S. Right. So so first, that'll be the the first question for an entry level bike that's a Harley. What's going to be the price? But I think the styling, it's it's a standard upright bike. It looks like it's fun to ride. It almost has a flat track look to it. Yeah, the three thirty eight. Easy bike to ride. That's what I was getting to. This three thirty eight. I would love to see this come to the states because it Why has a styling. It looks great. It's the. It looks like the a street. Ripper. The street five hundred and seven fifty. I didn't think have the styling. I mean, we were talking about this earlier. Earlier, Emma. Um, if you if you agree with me, there's I think there's two main factors for a bike to be successful. One is the market, and one is the bike. Right. And I just didn't feel like the bikes were up to snuff, and I didn't and I didn't feel like the market was ready to accept them. So well, I I I felt Harley kind of missed the mark with the street bikes a little bit <clears> because <throat> not least the 500 and the 750 is an odd segment. If you're dealing with people who are just starting them out, absolute beginners, 
A 500, it's like, that's quite a big bike for somebody to just start out on. And there's going to be leaves of people, oh, I started out on a sports or I started out on this, I started out on this. Meanwhile, in the real world, a lot of people start out on 300s and 350s and even 250s. So, you know, it's... And the 750 segment, once you get away from the sport bikes, I still remember a time when 750s were big bikes. If you had a 750, you really were something. And we think back to the super bikes of my youth. We think back to the CB750s and the water Mm -hmm. buffaloes. Yeah, the water buffalo, yeah. We think of them as big bikes because they were back then. But now... The 750 size is kind of, it's a bit of drift. It's neither one thing nor the other. There's just literally more material to make a 750 back in the 70s than there is now these days, you know? Composite and all that stuff, you know? So. As a sport bike, it makes a lot of sense. That's why Jixxer 750s are so good. But, you know, a 750 just standard, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's an odd size to try and sell. So I, here's the thing, though. This new bike, um, it looks really good. And oh, it does. I've had concerns about Harley. Yeah, I've been accused of Harley bashing, but I want them to succeed. And, you know, these new bikes, the Livewire, really cool that they're going into that segment, but it's overpriced. And that uh, the, the Pan America, wow, they're getting into that segment, haven't ridden it yet. I don't know how it's going to compare pound for pound with all the other adventure bikes. It's a little late to the game. Um, and then the Street 500 I just didn't think was special at all. They had that flat tracker they wanted to bring out. They didn't. But this bike gives me hope that this might be the right direction to save Harley. I agree. I think if they price this correctly, because people love Harley, like new riders, like some people gravitate towards the stuff we ride. Some people gravitate towards the Harleys more. It's just, you know, you have that thing. And I think if it's affordable, people gravitate toward it. Plus, like I said, it looks like an easy bike to ride. It's got mid controls, has a nice look to it. Um, I think it looks it's I think it looks great. But I think not not touched on something important. It's geared towards a different market. It's not geared towards America. So, like, no different than my uh, my Honda 250 Rally, right? That's geared for towards an, an Asian market. It's a it's a lightweight adventure bike. This is kind of a lightweight Harley that's standard, easy to ride. Um, and I would love to see it kind of make success in Asia and bleed over into America. Because if you're someone, you know, uh, fairly new to riding and you want something that's easy to ride and you like the Harley name, I think it's great. I, I disagree. I think this is the Ninja 300 killer. I mean, that's one of the most common uh, starter bikes for people. And not just starter bike, there are a lot of people who love to keep riding them because they're nimble and uh, you can take them to the track. Um, This bike looks killer for that same segment. I mean, you could throw flat track tires on it too and ride on a dirt track with it. It looks super versatile. But I guess at the end of the day, ML, I'll let you comment, but, you know, is it going to stand the test of time? You know, can you put it out on track days? Will it perform? You know, how would it match up, do you think, Emma, against that bike, the Ninja? Well, here's a couple of interesting facts for you. The Ninja and the R3, which are two of the best lightweight bikes, 
Neither of those bikes are made in Japan. So they're both, um, yeah, I think they're both made in Thailand. So I think China and Thailand right now have very similar ideas about quality control. Mm. So I don't see any reason why it shouldn't stack up. Styling looks great. It's all so, down to it's all down to the price. So I'm going to put How him much? on the spot. You read my mind. If you were going to price it, Emma, if you were Harley's marketing, where do you price this at? Oh, under over, six. over over ten grand or under eight grand. Oh God, under six. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking like five grand, something five. Yeah, no, not with the Harley name. You're paying for Harley name. Just remember. Yeah. yeah, but this is this would be the coup. This is a Chinese built bike. So there is absolutely yeah. no, no reason. reason to well. sell this bike really for more than five grand. You can chuck on a bit of a premium for the Harley name, but that is an under six thousand dollar bike all day well, long. I think too, aside from the Harley name, it's also the um, the service you get. I guess I have, I've never been to a Harley store in Thailand or wherever it is because. They have, you know, Harleys in Asia, but I imagine it's like a full service kind of like a experience kind of a thing for the affluent and the wealthy, you know. So maybe the price will get a buck for that reason. It's interesting in India, the showroom stores, the absolute Cadillac of motorcycle stores, are the Royal Enfield stores, and it it's like the royal enfield experience so you go in and you've got different floors and all different clothing and you know you do it it's really what we think of as a harley davidson store here in america the lifestyle yeah so has it's it been royal that enfield way Emma? oh yeah has it has it been that way for like for a while oh forever uh, I mean, so funny. the national pride attached to royal enfields in india it, it, it's immeasurable. And yeah. yeah, it's an English bike that really dates from 1955. But it's the national product. I mean, I sound like a broken record, but I've said it so many times. It's this reverence for your domestic product. People have a great deal of respect and reverence for your domestic product. And in, you know, in India... A Royal Enfield's a very aspirational bike. To us, it's just a quirky little 350. But over there, it's something you aspire to. You go through all the really tiny stuff, and then you go to the 350 Royal Enfield. That might be the end of your motorcycling career. That might be the only bike you have for the rest of your life. So this Harley, potentially, once you get into that name for a right price... Because, as, as Liza said, she said the same thing. If Porsche were to bring, an eight, bring out an $8,000 car, it could be the biggest piece of shit imaginable. But you don't buy, buy one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah what do you, buy I got a Porsche. You know? Uh, you've got yeah, but it, and, and that's, you know, it cheapens the name and it makes the, the value of the rest of the Porsches less. But what I'm saying is, yeah. take yeah. the name Harley-Davidson off this. Put Benelli or Honda or Husqvarna on it. I think that's a good-looking bike, and if they can come in at that price point, I think they have a winner here. 
So like one comment I'll make is is like we get a lot of people say, hey, what's a good first bike for people, right? Etc. And my go-to is a dual sport. Buy a 250 dual sport, KLX, DR, whatever it might be, a Honda. But I would also say look at a dual sport because they're just easy to ride. Mid controls, you can get your feet down, they're simple. But I would say, or look at this. If the price point of this, if you could get this bike out the door new for under 10 grand, I think that would, well, what I like about it, it brings new riders on the market. Like, okay, you're done writing that, that night, that 2003 Nighthawk 250. Okay, sell that and buy this. I think it's a great, it's like, like the Newport cigarettes. It's like a menthol cigarette for motorcycles. Well, what really yeah. excites me again is the, the diversity that, is coming. They got the live wire. We got the Pan America coming. Maybe the Bronx. I'm not sure. Uh, and this, I'm really liking the diversity uh, that that Harley's starting to you know to offer. And well, the, it gives it like I said. I want them I, to succeed. They're up against the wall. They have no choice at this point. I mean, look. Yeah, if well, they yeah. sell a, a million of these bikes in Asia, that'll probably float the American brand. Well, here's the thing. Harley Davidson's been in a hundred years for no, you know, they know what they're doing. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's great. It's a, I think it's a cool bike, but yeah, Harley knows what they're doing. They're staying afloat and they're selling motorcycles. I, I think, I think about how like uh, Ducati started making monsters and how the monsters kind of like save Ducati in a sense, because you know what I mean? It's, it's like, what options do they have? You know, you know it's funny. You should bring that bike up. Knock. Because last week, I had a very, very early Monster 900 at where I work. And for those of you who've forgotten, I work at Seaside Superbikes. Yes, that's Seaside Superbikes <laughs> for all your superbike needs. If Home you of the inline four. And you have a superbike, it's Seaside Superbikes. But I had a very early Monster in. The, the guy, it'd been in his garage for 20 years. This was an early bike. I think it was a 93. Um, resurrected it. I went through the carburetors. And you could tell by the way it was made that Ducati were kind of up against the wire price-wise when they built that bike. It had Mikuni carburetors on it. And they were, you know, they were dumbed down Mikuni carburetors because that's probably all they could afford. The Kagiva logo, that goofy-looking fat elephant, was all over the engine cases because, you know, they hadn't had time to retool the engine. But I tell you what, what a fucking great bike. Yeah, it was like a bike. Said? Yeah, it was stout. Yeah. And, you know, it, you, it, it was a great, simple bike there was no pretense to it at all you know one and, thing i would float for a future history hole would be the evolution of motorcycle frames from the 70s to modern day where oh you take God. the rickmans or remember that the, the barry sheen photo i showed you today yeah on the sealy the sealy like so take that transit from that to trellis frames i think that would be yes. kind of fun well, you know, there were a ton of frame manufacturers in England in the 60s making these things. There was Colin Seeley, um, the Rickman brothers, um, Dunstall brothers. There was um, Dave Deegans, who you don't know the name Dave Deegans, but you may have heard of a Dresda, and he made Dresda frames. There was a ton of them, and they were all 
absolutely brilliant. Um, and then you had a couple of interesting characters. Tony Fole was another one. And he didn't only do frames. He did front forks and really goofy front ends. But they really worked. So it was very prolific cottage industry in the 60s. And the Sealy really became the basis for the production Suzuki frames. Yeah, the T500. <laughs> yep. I think that would be a great topic uh, for the future, and we'll bring that up another time, um, which is a, a good opportunity for remind to remind everyone that, hey, we dropped another episode earlier this week of The Misfits on YouTube. And Emma, this time we talked about... We got down and dirty with a pumper. Yeah, pumper carbs. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, we got down and dirty with pumper carbs and what goes on within. Yeah, so um, um, I wanted to thank everyone who's sending emails. Send us some more. Uh, we're going to, we may choose them and talk about them. Send them to Ask the Misfits. That's M I S S F I T S at gmail.com. And we may just answer your question, but go to our YouTube channel and check out the videos. And I have another one I'm going to drop in a few days. Yeah, this one is on, a, a, like. as you said, inner tubes. Inner tubes. You got tubes. a tube. Cube, you've got to put that Y in there. Exactly. You've got to work on your diction, Liza. Cubes. Um, cubes. I've got some news. Uh, do you want to wait until later? Or is this quick? Oh, no, it's 6.30. Yeah, I know. We Are we still recording? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I thought, Liza, you were getting all like, like, are you going to wait your pants, Liza? You're pretty excited. I I, I'm pretty excited. I thought it was go time. I thought it was go time. It, it is. She's going to be dropping in any second now into the, uh, into the conversation. So I'm just, I'm just, now I feel ready. awkward. I, I feel awkward. <clears throat> well, you feel goofy. And awkward. The right you know, and, and the funny thing is, um, my, my mama always says, uh, persistence is my best and worst feature. And it's the, no, the it's best, best for me and the worst for everyone else. And, uh, <laughs> and this guest who's coming up, she, she was a recipient of my persistence, I would say. Do you know what my mama used to say to me? Don't finger the biscuits, Emma. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, oh so as I was saying that... Um, We've been keeping it a surprise who our upcoming guest is, but this is somebody who's been top of my list for a long time, and um, we're about to get into all the reasons why, but joining us right now is Debbie Evans-Levitt. Um, Debbie, Lord. how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm I'm good. I am so happy you're here. Um, I was telling everyone I've been emailing you for three years trying to get you on this show. <laughs> yeah. I, and in the meantime, I've been in uh, let's see, Thailand, the country of Georgia, uh, Australia, and <laughs> all over the place. Oh, every time I'd reach out to you and like, oh, I'm just about to leave. I know. Uh huh. All over. Here. We're number one in Pakistan. Yeah, yeah, number one Pakistan. <laughs> uh, but you've been on the top of my list, and I'll tell you why. Um, uh, last week I put out a little poll on our Facebook page asking everyone what did they think was the best motorcycle stunt 
in a movie, the best scene ever. And I was fishing to see what people say. And there's a lot of a lot of different ones out there that people love for different reasons. But there's one that came up a few times, and this is my but personal when favorite. Pee Wee Herman writes the bike for yes, the billboard. That's exactly it. Um, but for me, it was the Matrix when Trinity was riding the Ducati on the freeway. And I'll tell you why this was my favorite. Because when I was in the theater watching it, I was bobbing my head back and forth as the bike is swerving between cars. Like, I was in it. I was all in. Like, I felt the tension and like, oh, my God. And that is what I think is the really hardest thing for any movie maker is to really suck you in to feel like you're in it right um so uh debbie evans is the one who rode that bike in the movie and then to find out that she's got a huge career in motorcycles so debbie i want to go back to the beginning of how you got into motorcycles because one of the things i really want to talk about and and i've listened to a lot of interviews you've done and i don't think people talk about your family enough talking about your dad your your husband your sister your kids how it's all been an integral part of your life everyone around you so let's go back to how you got into riding well i started riding when i was six years old my dad had a little mini bike one of those square frame mini bikes with the metal uh Mm -hmm. can basically as (laughs) as a tank and Uh, a Yamaha 80 engine oh. on it. So, nice. so wow. it was a pretty fast little yeah. mini bike. And uh, they were building the freeway near our house. And so he took me out unbeknownst to my mom. And <laughs> we didn't have helmets back then. We didn't have anything. And he taught me how to ride. And the first thing I did was crash into a pile of cement and rebar. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh no! So Debbie, and, Debbie, uh, my name is Jim. I have a quick question. If it, where did you grow up? I'm assuming Southern California. Yes, I was born in Long Beach, California, and grew up in right Long on. California. That's where motorcycles happen. So yeah, th- I'm sorry to interrupt, yeah. but that's okay. So, so anyways, he dusted me off, and I was crying, and he said, uh, "Get on the motorcycle, because if you don't get on." Back on the horse, you'll never get on again. Yes. And uh, he said, in five minutes, I was smiling ear to ear and having a great time. So (laughs) that was my dad. And (laughs) And that is my dad. And you know what? Cool dad award to any parents who get their kids in that young. I love it. Yeah. So we started going camping and riding as a family, you know, and uh, I started, uh, I rode the mini bike for a while, but then he had other bikes like a Tatsu frame and a Suzuki engine. He put the two together and they were smaller bikes. And so I was able to ride those. A lot of times I had to be started and stopped or at least have <laughs> yeah. a big rock that I could get to. <laughs> and I could easily jump off. It was getting on that was a hard thing. Sometimes I would start, you know, start off with one foot on the peg and then just get on because I couldn't sit on the bike and reach the ground. So there was a lot of that for a while. And then one Christmas, I was eight years old and there was a little box underneath the tree. And it was a box about, you know. Oh, tiny little box. Tiny box, yeah, but it was heavy. 
And um, I opened it up and it was a shift lever. <laughs> and then he took me out to the garage and he had gone to the junkyard and bought a Honda 55 step through a uh, trail bike, uh, you know, uh-huh. one with the, without the center so that I could get yeah. in and then get uh-huh. up on the bike. And it was in a box. There was just the frame and then all the parts, the wheels. Somebody had spray painted it blue, the cases and everything. <laughs> and so he said, we're going to build this bike together. And so that's what we did. We went in the garage and he had me on the buffing wheel with the the mask, you know, the, the, the oh my shield God. and, and uh, the wire wheel. And, we, you know, we just put that whole thing together and we painted it cherry red. It was, you know, <laughs> just the, the coolest little bike. And um, I was so excited. It seemed like it took five years, but it, I think it <laughs> took like six or eight months in order to get yeah. it together. So I was nine when I rode my first trials and um, I went out and competed in the kids class and got third place and earned a trophy. My very first nice. try. And just to uh, back up, you were nine when you rode, not your first bike, but your first trials. trials. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was six when I rode the first. <laughs> now your, da- your, your dad was in a trial riding. Yes. Uh, yes, he was. Yeah. He got into trials riding, and we used to ride at places like Dana Point and uh, mm. Riverside and all these places that are just covered with houses now. Yeah, you Debbie, can't ride now. Debbie, yeah. dear, um, yes. this is Emma. So our listenership, I mean, we our listenership is across the spectrum. We have some veteran riders. We have some people who are just starting out. And hearing the term trials riding will actually be something new to them. Okay. Now, obviously, I'm English, so... <laughs> you know. <laughs> I know. But a lot of Americans, especially if they're starting out, really don't understand what trials riding is about. And once you have a background in balance, <laughs> you understand it. So would you describe really what a trials competition is like? some of the things you have to do okay you froze for quite some time so yes yeah, okay so-, so a brief description for some of our listeners who don't understand what trials riding is what is trials riding trials riding is i like to call it the gymnastics um uh, a sport where you take terrain and and you ride over the obstacles. Oh boy, my my internet's unstable. Um, but it's kind of if you if you look at it like a golf course. You know how a golf course you uh, go from from hole to hole. Mm-hmm. We have the course that takes you around to the sections, and the sections are marked off. And usually, it's very difficult terrain and. Uh, the, those are the places where you're scored and you lose points. You, it's marked off. If you, if you put your foot down once, you lose one, two, two, you lose two points, three or more, you lose three points. If you crash in the section or you go out of the section, you lose the maximum of five points. So the person with the least amount of points at the end wins. 
And uh, there's all different levels. So some will be just be, you know, beginners will just be like little turns through a creek bed or whatever, up to what you see now, Tony Bow doing and the amazing videos that you've seen on online of these guys just blasting from one obstacle to the other on the rear wheel mm-hmm. going up, you know, but when, when I rode, we did, you know, I rode national and international competition and I rode against the best in the world. And, um, it was all, all men basically, cause there were no women at that level at the time. Yeah. And, um, so I used to ride up huge waterfalls <laughs> and sometimes my, I rode for Yamaha and sometimes my little 175 didn't have the power to carry me up and I get almost to the top. And then we didn't have minders. Minders are people who help you along the course and give you and coach. Yeah. Oh, I didn't we, mean to interrupt your story. Yeah, we, we, we were okay. polite. We raise our hands so that we know who's next. Oh, okay. yeah. You can finish your story. So, so anyways, minders actually ride along with the riders now and they help them they're they're their support team so if they're up on a huge ledge they're standing there waiting and if they see that the person's going to fall down they grab the wheel we didn't have that back then so i did a lot of stunt training back in those days (laughs) well the other thing i was oh so i'm sorry jim what years are we talking about here debbie I'm sorry, what? What year would you be talking about when you're doing this? Uh, the Nationals, I started writing Nationals in 1976. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, 77, 78, 79. Yeah. Oh, those are the golden yeah. years. Yeah. So the, the question I was going to ask, and thank you, Emma, it was good segue, golden years. I So we've all been like fanboying out on you for years, right? Because you're... <laughs> pretty bad um but i noticed in one picture it, it i think it talks about like your relationship with your dad like you had homemade gear and stuff like that can you talk about when you were younger like coming up how you would maybe make your own gear or how you adapted to racing or, or things you created on your own yeah well back then um you know we used lineman boots yeah. uh for for motorcycle boots because there were, were no motorcycle boots and uh I remember it was really cool when we got the leather gloves with the strips, big old hunking strips of rubber yeah. sewed on each finger. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, let's see, we had a, a helmet and then we used an old uh, football guard <laughs> that is just the plastic one that goes <laughs> around and it just had the holes in it. And, um, my dad also rode enduros after the trials. So uh, for the enduro riding, we would wrap the the tape, red, white, and blue. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, on the on the guard, so the rocks didn't come in and hit you in the face. Um, well, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna I'm gonna glue a football helmet guard on my on my dirt bike helmet tomorrow and wrap it in <laughs> red, white, and blue. <laughs> so my mom made uh, jerseys, you know, team jerseys out of sailcloth red white and blue jerseys yeah cool yeah so there were a lot I love of that yeah and then it was uh, a family affair huh oh yeah it was really a family f- affair my mom used to ride trials in the women's class and my sister rode and so we we all rode but 
I was the kid who would would start writing first morning, and I would be on the bike until the sun went down. And then when I laid down in the tent tent to go to sleep, all, all I would hear was motorcycles, you know, that weren't there. Kind of like when you're in the ocean all day, and you get that feeling of <laughs> of sloshing oh, in the ocean. I know. I was camping this weekend, motorcycle camping. I know that little kid because as soon as the sun comes up, that little kid's up and down the road. Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it was a great way to grow up. I mean, we had so much fun. And then trials. Um, when I was 15, I got a factory sponsored ride with Yamaha. <laughs> And nice. and wow. um, and I was kind of stuck in the amateur class, but uh, when my husband Lane was teaching a trial school up in Northern California, I was invited to go up there. I was still in high school uh, one summer, and um, I I couldn't seem to get past amateur. the The owner of the school wanted me to teach the next year. So I went and I took the class from Lane Levitt, who's my husband, and and when I got back, I transferred in two rides, you know, because I was doing things that weren't, you know, I never had a teacher or anything. Right. I just would try things over and over again and be tenacious because I never gave up. One of the things that I loved about trials was you could pick a rock or a log and spend time there and you know you wouldn't get it you wouldn't get it you wouldn't get it, you get it and right. then and you, you wouldn't get it you wouldn't get you get it and you get it and then you wouldn't get it you know and so you <laughs> just keep challenging yourself you didn't need a lot of land or um or a whole bunch of people or organization just to just go out there and challenge yourself like crazy Debbie dear, I'm I'm, I, I, I'd love to back up a little bit because we are a motorcycle podcast first and foremost, but mm -hmm. we we really enjoy a good love story. <laughs> so you, you talk to us about Lane. So you 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 obviously married him, and you're still married to him. Yes, and he was your instructor. Yes, he so was. Did you fall in love with him straight away, or did you kind no, of? No, I thought he was a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. My sister and I um, s saw him at a trials, a national championship trials, and he was really grouchy. He, but he had just broken up some his his fiance had just left him. So I understand now why he was all grumpy and just really angry and you know, all that. And when I got to know him, I went, hey, this guy's pretty nice. Oh, we have so much in common. And, you know, he's got a good heart. And, you know, it was funny when I was 13, I made a list of the qualities I wanted in the man I was going to marry. Oh, <laughs> and he ticked all the boxes. Yeah, most of them. He, yeah, Aww. one was he had to ride better than me. Oh, so right. I was going to ask that question, Dude, but oh my God. Is, does he ride better than you? <laughs> high standard. Well, That's high standard. Yeah. In high school, I'd date somebody and they'd, they'd say, oh, yeah, I, I rode a motorcycle in my <laughs> yard one time and I wiped out and hit the car and I'm going, oh, you loser. <laughs> <laughs> Kick him to the curb. Oddly <laughs> enough, Debbie, you sound like my daughter. 
<laughs> she killed, you know, she almost killed multiple boyfriends, but yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was so such an important part of who I am that I yeah. needed someone who could share that. I could share that with. And I, right. you know, till, still to this day, we're riding down the road and we see a pile of rocks and we're both looking at the rocks and we're <laughs> thinking about how we would get up that. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, I mean, you've been married, obviously, for a very long time. But he's been a huge part of your career as well, hasn't he? Yes. Yes, he has. And uh, I started doing stunts in 1977. Okay. And he started doing stunts in 1980. So how did that, how did that start? So you're, you're a trials writer, obviously successful, but so you've got a great sense of balance. Mm -hmm. So how did you make that jump into the movies? I mean, it, 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 were you approached by somebody? Did you approach them? I was actually approached by somebody. My was for Enduros, he was one of the top District 37 Enduro riders at the time. And he was sponsored by Mont Montessa here. Mm -hmm. And the Montessa distributor uh, knew knew. This guy, um, Gene Hartline, who's a flat track racer and also a stuntman. And he, name. he um, was talking to his friend Art Barda, who was also a flat track racer and also the distributor of Montessa, and said, I need a girl who's really good who, on a motorcycle and who can jump a, a 30-foot ravine on this a Yamaha, old Yamaha uh, DT1, DT400. Oh, uh, no. Oh, God. It was a DT400. And okay. then with all of this big, heavy metal, space age looking stuff yeah. on it. Oh, we saw the trailer for the film there. Yeah. Okay. This is Deathmatch or whatever. <laughs> yeah, oh, death my sport. God. Yeah. Deathmatch. Okay, so I'll, I'll interject. If you have to start your movie career with the name of one movie, Deathmatch death, is it. Deathmatch. <laughs> Desport. It's death sport. Sorry, death sport. I'm yeah. sorry, desport, but that was like coolest thing ever. Well, had you <laughs> jumped a 30 foot ravine prior to this? No. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, I can do that. Well, no, I didn't say that. I said, I've never done that before. And he goes, Don't worry, we'll work you up to it on a dirt ah. road. We'll put the, you know, the ramps up and then we'll make sure we're getting it every time. I said, Oh, that makes sense. Okay, that's the, exactly the way I would do it. Uh, it sounds like you hang out with a bunch of enablers. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyways, um, you know, he was talking to Art Barta and, and he uh, said, we'll get Debbie. Debbie would be great. And so he gave uh, Gene my dad's number and Gene called my dad and um, I went and tried out and I was the perfect size for the the girl that I was doubling, and uh, you know, I uh, got on the motorcycle and rode it just fine. It, it was heavy though on the front end. Just in this, yeah. when you were turning, it would want to take a dive into the ground. So that movie for me was the ultimate stunt training. I got to work uh, over. Well, it's coming up September of 1977 so that's now i've got 43 years in the business 
And Whoa. that was wow. the beginning of a very long career that is still going now. Um, we uh, a couple of years ago we interviewed uh, your friend Gary Davis, and uh-huh. he mentioned in the interview how happy he was when you came along so he could stop wearing nylons and dresses. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm happy too because I'm glad I finally. You know, it was funny because. Um, I worked with him on a show where he had to wear nylons in a dress and I was the other girl and he was doubling a very tall woman. Mm-hmm. Was that Charlie's on, on Angels? Her. No, it was called Mitchell and Woods. Oh, okay, was, yeah. I saw the ship. picture. He's got the picture of you two blown up into a poster size in his garage. <laughs> and I believe you're both on Sportsters. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. on a Sportster, and I think he's on a dirt bike that looks like a Sportster. Uh, mm-hmm. He actually he actually had a full-on... Uh, I'm not sure if he used a double for the bike for any reason But on that one. I tell you what, he makes a damn good woman. <laughs> he got the wig on and the dress. He was wearing heels. I mean, I, I, I'm like, is this you? And he was, yep, and you were the other one. Yeah, that's amazing. But yeah, how many other female motorcycle riding stunt women were there at the time? Uh, There were a few that raced a little bit Mm -hmm. and things like that, but they didn't have the overall ability that I had. Yeah. And, you know, jumping a 30 foot ravine was not something that on those kind of bikes was something that uh, they would do. A cool thing about that is we didn't have speedos. Um, I just went off of the gearing and the sound of the motorcycle. Oh, my God. That's what Gary said Evil Knievel used to do, and it would drive him nuts because Gary had to have two speedometers, and Evil just went by the sound. Uh-huh. Yeah. Ah, wow, that gives me anxiety. Gary just got way less cooler, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, um, so uh, go ahead. For the few women, if, like, not the only woman doing it back in the day, like, were, did you face a lot of discrimination, like, in when you were racing or when you were actually in the industry um, at all? Um, I grew up riding with the boys. And so, you know, I looked at myself as a competitor, and I always looked at myself as uh, another stunt person. So... Yes, there were some, but I was used to dealing with that kind of attitudes. And what I would just do is I would um, make up my mind that I would prove them wrong. Yeah. And so I didn't need to get in their face and tell them they were idiots and that they didn't know what they were talking about when it came to me or, you know, women in general. Um, and I still do that today. And it's it's actually kind of fun. And, and it's... It's really rewarding, too, because instead of making an enemy, you usually make a lifetime friend. So, you know, and and I didn't tell you one of the reasons why you're top of my list is I aspired to be a stunt woman when I was a kid. And I spent a lot of my youth like crashing my bike and trying to, you know, get get friends to drive at me so I could you know, learn how to get hit by a car. And um, I was crushed when I was like like 19 and someone said you're not going to get any work i'm i'm six foot tall and over 200 pounds <laughs> they're like yeah you're not going to get a lot of work <laughs> and, and i'm also not in, entirely skilled at anything so uh 
Yeah, I, I live vicariously through women like you with your successful careers. And that's why it really uh, meant a lot for me uh, for you to come on the show because, um, yeah, not just your body work, everything you've done. And then once you're in the business and you got beyond motorcycles, I mean, you're learning how to take a hit and how to be, you know, thrown into a wall and how to drive. And like, uh, I, I'd like to know, like, what have been some of your favorite skills that you've learned uh, in the stunt business? Well, I'm, I'm always, I was always the person who wanted to know how to do, how to surf and how to water ski and how to snow ski and ride the unicycle and do the yo-yo and do the, this and that, you know, whatever it was, I it was like, oh, wow, look at that. I want to do that. And I would work and work and work until I would get it. And so basically because I could snow ski, water ski, surf, really good swimmer, um, uh, ride a unicycle. I could wheelie my bicycle farther than any of the boys and <laughs> won a, won a, um, a wheelie contest over at Sunset Beach nice. near Huntington Beach when I was That's so cool. Well, <laughs> against all boys. And That's so I cool. Really you know, I won the ambulance ride, though. <laughs> what? Said I, I want to win a wheelie contest, but I ended up winning the ambulance ride. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> you, you were an so, ego crusher, weren't you? <laughs> uh, I guess I mm -hmm. heard some egos because in the wheelie contest – the the guy one of the guys came over and started screaming at me, and, wow. and then one of them punched me in the arm. Oh, and, and uh, that means he likes you. <laughs> yeah, I started crying, and my dad's friend <laughs> came over. And he goes, "What's wrong?" You know, and and he goes, "But you won, you won." <laughs> but um, anyways, so I had been training for stunts my whole life and didn't mm -hmm. know it. Because I was always yeah. running, climbing trees, and came, my mom came home from the grocery store one day, and I was hanging from the light post. post <laughs> because I, I saw a TV show where they were climbing coconut trees, and they put their fingers around the edge, and then and then use their feet. Yeah. And we had this ridge metal post, and it was wider <laughs> at the bottom, yeah. and it got oh you know, my god at the top. So it, it worked. I mean, I could get my fingers around the edge on the ridges and I could climb up with my feet uh, pretty high. And then it got really skinny. So I shimmied the rest of the way up. My mom saw me up there and she had a fit. She went <laughs> into the garage. My dad was working on his motorcycles and, and she gets him, Dave, Debbie's hanging from the light post. He comes out and he goes, hey, how is it up there? I said, <laughs> Oh, it's great, Dad. And he goes, can you see really far? And I said, yeah. He goes, oh no. Uh, um, well, uh, don't don't go over to the wires. Uh, don't, <laughs> don't go to the wires. And can you get down? I said, yeah, I can get down. He says, stay up there as long as you want. And he walked in. <laughs> I think oh you're wearing a few more shades of gray right <laughs> there. So um, oh I have a God. question for you, Debbie. Um, so your career as a stunt woman, stunt person, whatever you want to describe yourself, started out with Death Sport in 1978, and you're still active. 
So you've yeah. had a 42-year career thus far. 43, um, 43 this month, yeah. 43 this month, yep. and we know about The Matrix, um, Terminator 2. The Jerk? Come on! Yes, yes. come on, The Jerk. You that know, was you fun. Can, you can name drop as many of these movies as you want, but my question to you, is there a stunt that really stands out for you after all these years that you're like, I really pulled that one off, and either against the odds, you were really proud of yourself, or you thought there's no way this is going to work, or it did, yeah. or it just gave you the thrill of a lifetime doing it. Yeah. Now, see, Even if it's not motorcycle-related, because we've seen other stunt people that go on to cars and other things that do insane things. Hollywood stunt people are awesome. But you just asked her a very hard question, because she's won, not one, but seven Taurus World Stunt Awards. I mean, which, yeah, how many movies? Over 300? Yeah. I know that there is a stunt that you are more proud of above all the others. <laughs> What's the one? What's the one? What's the one? Um, I'd have to say uh, driving underneath the semi truck mm -hmm. in the Corvette. Fast and Furious. Yeah. Oh. The Corvette was cool too, yeah. but Fast and Furious was one everybody saw. Yeah, yeah. Deadline so for Michelle I, Rodriguez. Yeah, I drove underneath mm -hmm. the semi. The truck hits me, and then I flipped the car off the side of the road. That was such a nice sequence. Um, I actually have three favorites. Okay, um, okay so that's two. one. Good. Yes, two more to go. I'll, I'll allow it. The yeah. the next would be Matrix Reloaded. Yes, that was that was amazing to be able to be in that spot and have the director be so excited about everything that I did. And, um, you know, when, when we do a shot, I, I was able to, to, after the shot was over, he'd say, come in the video village and, and look and see what it looked like. And he goes, Oh, this is really cool. You want to see it? Oh yeah, sure. So I go in and he starts showing me and I go, Oh, you know what? I could do that better. I see one thing I can get better. And and so <laughs> because it was a more of a collaborative thing and I was brought into the creative part of it as well, um, it was just so cool. The things that we did there were amazing. Okay. I have so many questions about that, but I, I want I want to let you number three I yet. know. I want to let you say what is your number three and then we'll come back. Okay. Um, number three is Herbie fully loaded. Ah, yes. Nice. <laughs> um, uh, getting to drive Herbie was really a cool experience because I grew up watching Herbie. Yeah. And then, totally. you know, I would ask, okay, what, what, how do you want to see Herbie? What kind of personality? Herky Jerky? Oh my like, God. Like the old ones or. You're telling me the car doesn't drive itself? What? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Liza, your mic, your mic's gone. Yeah, Liza, you're hard to hear. Okay. So so anyways, um, I got to wheelie Herbie, which was really cool. Oh, oh my God. They had, they had two rigs set up. One was like a hydraulic rig that I hated because, you know, there was no skill involved. You just push the button. And yeah. the other one was a counterweight in the back of the car with, with lead weights oh. on it. Nice. Wow. And so, and then I had steering brakes in the car so that I could um, steer the thing. 
And when we were out practicing uh, Pomona Fairway or Pomona Raceway, you know, I was looking out the side and uh, you could, I could see where I was going. But when we got to uh, downtown Alhambra on Main Street, they had the window, window up and they wanted me to do the same thing. And so I'm going, oh, man, how am I going to be able to see where I'm going? Because once that nose goes up, you can't see anything. And so um, I, I noticed that there were palm trees on one side and light posts on the other. I went, oh, there's my mark. And when nice. I got it up, I, you have to, you can't just gas it hard and keep it up. You have to bring it up slowly so that you don't hit the back end and have mm-hmm. it slam right down. So it's like wheeling a motorcycle. It was so much fun. Oh my God. Challenge. And then one for one scene, they took the suspension out of the front and then I would just gas it <laughs> <laughs> and make it jump up and down. I was actually getting the wheels off the ground about this far. Oh know. my God. Uh, there was there was demolition derby Herbie. There was junkyard <laughs> Herbie. Oh God. There was pimped out Herbie. There was and then the other was going to California Speedway and racing it on the, the NASCAR Ooh. Herbie at over at 119 miles an hour in a bug. <laughs> nice. Do you have a Herbie in your living room right now? You might. Uh, no, it's in my bre- It's in my uh, bathroom. I've got it. <laughs> I've got a whole shelf of cars that I've driven and motorcycles and everything. Oh, that's cool. Okay, so I'm going to be selfish for a moment. We're recording, Liza? We're yep. still recording? We're yep. good? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, I'm going to be selfish. I have some – so I love to camp. I love to ride in the desert. I, I wish I was born in Southern California, I will say. So I have two questions. I have about 17 but I narrowed it down to two because I know Liza has about 200 more. <laughs> so one is not your first favorite, but what is your second favorite camping spot to go right in the desert in Southern California? Uh, like if you're going to go with friends out to the desert, like for four or five days and ride bikes and have a good time, where in the desert do you like to camp? Well, we used to like to go to Camp Rock Road out in the mm-hmm. With all the big rocks. Yes. And, and then, you know, there was tons of riding out there, too. The problem now with um, the desert is they've closed so much of it off. Yeah. We used to love to go to Randsburg and Red Mountain and, uh, you know, all these different places. But uh, we went out there for a enduro reunion just recently. And a lot of the things that we rode were shut down. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I, I remember being up on a, a a peak, you know, with a trail on top and it being so windy out there that I'm riding down the dirt road and it the wind picked up my bike and me and moved it over about four feet and I kept going. <laughs> yeah, really wild. That is wild. But I'll tell you what, so many good motorcycle riders come out of South, Southern California, like you had alluded to flat track racing and things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's something a little bit completely different again. So we're a similar age. I like to ride motorcycles. You know, I like to, you know, I fall down a lot, that kind of stuff. So as we age, you know, what things would you say? How do you keep riding motorcycles and crashing healthy as you get older? 
Like words of wisdom. Uh, you kind of have to work smart, I believe. You know, right. you can't be going out in places where there's a whole bunch of other egos that could take you out. Um, right. And just, you know, because I, I, we, my husband and I just went and did a vintage motorcycle event up uh, near Point Arena in Northern California, and we had a blast. And uh, I, I was going up this hill, and I saw some sticks coming at my face. And you know, trials riders wear open face helmets without any um, eye protection. And so I kind of dove down and when I did I I fell off and it was a hillside and I just rolled and then got up and went ta-da <laughs> because you know uh I've always had this knack for falling good um well it's funny me and me and Liza did some riding with another stunt person um who's good at falling too he I think he fell off horses you fall off motorcycles yeah. and he fell from about 12 fucking I'm sorry about 12 feet and he got, he was about 60, jumped right up. So I think you either you fall good or you don't. Yeah, I was always like that as a kid too. You know, I yeah. somehow could fall and other people would break their arm or break something and I'd, I'd just roll and get up. Nice. So there was one time where I was on this show and I was riding one of the deadly three-wheelers. Oh, yeah. Forest, and uh, we had a water crossing, a road water crossing i was on a trail and uh i'd gone over it a few times and i went you know i think i'm gonna try and wheelie the you know the front a little bit just to make that a little bit smoother bad idea on a three-wheeler three-wheeler because mm -hmm. it it sent me in a direction very fast right for for a huge tree oh and my reactions what i did was i picked up my right foot and put it over the back and so uh the the back right wheel hit the tree and i flew like superman about <laughs> seemed like feet <laughs> wow. and then rolled and got up yeah and you i were like here we go again you, yeah. you launched yeah you launched yourself off <laughs> off the bike as it hit the tree yeah. Beautiful. I thought you were going to be like, I don't know, I eat kelp, I do Pilates, <laughs> I don't know. You're like, no, I just crash good. <laughs> no, it, it's just something that uh, people have innately, and some people tend to get hurt and others don't, you know, when when something happens. And that's one of the things that has made me such a good stunt performer is I have really fast reactions still. If I drop something in the kitchen, I've picked got it before it hits the ground or if I you know um I remember when I was riding as a kid uh we went out to a riding area where you know I knew a lot I knew a lot of the trails but it had rained like big time there and so I'm riding along and then all of a sudden right in front of me there's a big huge gap in the trail there's a ravine through it and and I just I looked at it I I gauged it and I gassed it and kind of unweighted and jumped the thing and made it to the other side. Wow, you know, sweet. but things like that I have stories like that all through you know my childhood yeah. and growing up, yeah. where it's those quick reactions that help me in my stunt work, and help me 
you know, just survive all of what I do on a daily basis. I want to check. So his- no major injuries. You've been pretty mostly you've been pretty good. Like no crazy hospitalizations or broken anything. Or <laughs> well, I did have one really bad accident, and that was on the movie Yes Man. Yeah. Oh. And Gary oh. was there that night. And and what were you riding? A an Aprilia motor scooter. Yeah, Bagel is oh, our wow. scooterist. Yep. <laughs> wow. So what happened there? So. Um, we were doing near misses where I come up the right-hand side of the road with uh, Jim Carrey's double on the back, and I'm taking Polaroids while I'm riding, and then I cut across four lanes of traffic, but it's all our traffic. And we'd done it so many times all night long because Film L.A. would only give us 90 seconds on the road, which is unheard of, hmm. in the middle of the night. So... Um, we went to do it again at 3.30 in the morning, and I noticed one of the cars was too deep. I knew who was driving, and I went, he'll, he'll uh, adjust for me. And I dove across like I had every time because I had to go off at a 45 and hit a side road up. And uh, he actually slid into the side of us. Ooh. So, you know, I'm going – Let's see, I'm going this direction, mm-hmm. and then he comes down the hill and then slides into the side oh, of the me. opposite direction. And, yeah. and so the guy on the back, because I was doing 30 plus, and he was probably, I know he was doing at least 45 coming down, maybe scrub some speed. He hits me, and and then the guy goes flying over the top of me, and I dented the passenger side back door in with my body. Ooh, and ooh. It took the ball of my hip and punched it through my pelvis. Oh man! So it broke my hand. Um, little piece of bone off my wrist knocked me out, and yeah. Wow! But so that was um, the worst ever. That that probably made for quite an interesting workers' comp claim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think you were out a year for that, right? Yeah, I was out a year. But you followed your dad's advice, get back on the bike and keep going. Well, you know, one of my, one of my first jobs back was on a Vespa motor scooter. (laughs) (laughs) They're death machines. (laughs) No, give me a GT 400. The thing is, is I didn't blame the bike. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't have, I didn't have any trouble getting back on that Vespa. Because there was no other cars involved. I just came in and did a light little 90 on it. <laughs> well, nice. you know, I've, I've kind of come up with an interesting question just by me being flippant about that. You're a stunt woman, and there are plenty of stunt women, stunt men out there. And you get an injury, and you're off work for a year. Is there any kind of insurance you have to because I should imagine if there is, it's incredibly expensive. Uh, we have Screen Actors Guild insurance, health insurance. Okay. But that's for when we're not hurt, at, when we're hurt, not at work. When we're at work, we have Workman's Comp. Okay. Workman's Comp isn't the greatest, but it I is. I bet they the love you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they lots of Advil. <laughs> yeah, 
uh, workman's comp doesn't like to pay out money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, they probably don't like stunt people either. Probably not. They don't understand <laughs> us either because we're the ones who are going. Uh, I've got one good arm. <laughs> I could drag myself. <laughs> so I'm good. I'm good. If we, if we can, um, I, I can do it. Really. <laughs> can we circle back now? Can I ask all my questions about the Matrix? Sure. That's like okay. a whole nother episode. I swear oh, I to know. God, her I movie know. career is a whole nother episode. Okay, so that was filmed up here in Alameda, correct? Yes, that's correct. And they just built a giant oval track, is what I heard, out at the, the naval base. No? Was it just one no. direction? Yeah. What they yeah. did was they took the uh, airstrip mm -hmm. and they made it into a freeway. Yes. So there was a freeway with on-ramps and, on and off-ramps and overpass. There was one complete overpass and then one pedestrian overpass. And so it was, I think it was two mile 1.2 miles long or yeah. something like that it was it was long and i and 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 uh the nice thing about that is it looked exactly like the freeway and we didn't have to deal with shutting things down mm -hmm. and waiting for a specific time and people wandering on or you know we it was a very controlled environment which was great and uh, the thing that I loved about it, even though there is some CGI in there because that camera can't travel through the middle of a car. So I know right. that there's some CGI, but it, it, there was a lot of it was very practical. So, mm -hmm. and as you're going through, especially um, you've got someone in the back, was there an actual stuntman on the back with you? Yes. Not, okay. First of all, I think he wins. He should win an award. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, the funny, funny story on that one. He, um, first night I got there, I get this huge arrangement of flowers. And I'm going, whoa, I mean, it was massive. And there's a card in there. He, and it's Will saying, my life is in your hands. <laughs> <laughs> then when I, when I saw him the next day, I said, Will, you know what? I wouldn't want to be on the back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, Stunt people are like that, though. Like, you guys send a ton of flowers or, like, cases of scotch. Like, it's life and death stuff, for real. Oh, yeah. Literally. So. <laughs> it is life and and uh, I hate being on the back. <laughs> Me too. I'm with you on that. So yeah. we, we established, so there was a lot of practical. So in, in these scenes, you're driving against the flow of traffic in some of these scenes. And you have yes. cars coming at you, and you're swerving in and out between these cars. So what are, can you share some of the tricks that made that safer? Uh, like, well, like well, what speed we, we are, is it, that done at? We did it two ways. We did mm -hmm. it uh, with four lanes of traffic, four cars making lane changes, and me splitting two oncoming semi-trucks. Yeah. And then uh, the Viz FX people, of course, always want to get involved. And uh, we love them, but um, I think... I think that sometimes they shouldn't be involved in everything. Right. Um, but uh, they, 
we put up like, you know, when, when somebody redoes a freeway or a road, they put up those little tabs. Mm-hmm. It, Junk bumps? Well, they're little tabs. They're not the, the bumps. Okay. They're the little tabs, the temporary ones. Yeah, yeah just the markers. So what we did was we, we mapped mm-hmm. out a, an order, like where I would go and where the camera bike would go. And we did it without any cars at all. So, um, but, you know, we did the four cars, head-on cars making lane changes. And my last move being two oncoming semi-trucks. And there were some gnarly moments in there. Really, really gnarly. I got hit by one of the cars. Oh. Yeah. Off to the hospital. Um, Yeah. uh, I got to unmute. Can you talk about that more? (laughs) You got hit by a car. uh, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Please go deeper. Yeah. So, so anyways, we had the four cars making lane changes and the first two we did. And then, uh, I come up along two two cars going this way. And then one car was supposed to turn into the, the lane I was in. Mm-hmm. And then I take the center of that lane and the car behind it's supposed to clear. And I just take that center lane. And then the last two moves was, splitting the oncoming semi-truck. So then I would have to go over and split, mm-hmm. you know, very tight. Um, so we did it several times and, and things were going really good and I went to do it again. And I get up to that mark where this guy is supposed to clear and he hasn't moved. Oh, and, and I'm going, it's so funny how your brain just takes everything in and deals with it. I thought I'd made a mistake at first. And then when I looked at it, I went, no, I actually saved our lives. Because wow. if I had turned at that particular time, I would have either hit him head on or the car next to him in the other lane head on. So um, what I did was I started the, I went like this and then I went, he's not moving. And then I straightened up. And as I straightened up, the car um, turned into me and, and then, you know, basically then he realized I was coming there and he straightened out and uh, sideswiped it with my foot. And, and I, I low sided it on the other side. So, you know, that outfit was, just a vinyl outfit, no pads. You know, mm-hmm. I, I managed to take some old Protec pads and just I shaved down the edges so I could put them on my my mm-hmm. knees and my shins. The the boots were horrible. They're just vinyl, no support, no nothing. Mm-hmm. And so, and no helmet. You know, right? No, right. no cap Jesus. or anything. I Jesus. I told them they wanted me to dye my hair for that, and I said no, I don't want to. I said, first of all, I don't want to go home and scare my kids who were young at the time. <laughs> Mommy comes home, she's gone, and now she's got black, short hair. What is this? But, but then I told them also I wanted the protection of my hair up underneath the, the mm-hmm. wig cap. And the wig cap is like another layer. Um, and then the wig. And so uh, I didn't have a helmet on the entire time either. 
crazy. Wow. So crazy. off we went to the my, hospital, my... and I I, I uh, bruised my foot. Nothing was broken, but I still have a red mark on my left foot. Mm. And I went home that night or to the hotel that night and took the trash can, filled it with ice and water, and just dunked my foot five times as long as I could stand it and limp to work and work with a messed up foot. Um, and I wanted to, um, I wanted to take a moment too to mention some of your other, uh, other awards. Uh, one that means a lot to us. You're in the AMA hall of fame. Okay. That's big. Yay. Yay. Oh, oh we're going to see it. it. We're going to see, see it. it. Let's see it. Oh, uh, I love the AMA. Yeah. Right. yeah. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Excellent. Heck yeah. Whenever we have a fire here, I grab that first. Oh. Nice. <laughs> hey, I'm so hey, proud of it. Hey, Debbie. Yeah. Let's see. Right. Uh, oh, wait. Here, let's move this. That. Wait. Take it off the wall. You can't that. see it. That's mine. <laughs> That's my okay. AMA. You can't award. see it, Liza. Back there. I got one too. Well, not as big as yours. I'm just Did you get say. one? Oh, yeah. They, so get, they gave me a little yeah. award last year. No, oh, not Hall of Fame, cool. though. And I, oh, yeah, I mentioned to you, I was so excited. You guys, I don't know if you know the story, but when we were doing the Where We're Ride last year and we made a point to stop at the AMA Hall of Fame uh, and, and have a large group of women there as we were highlighting, you know, women riders. And this was, I mean, one of my favorite moments in my life standing there with maggie mcnally bradshaw and aaron sills and giving a tour of the museum and one of the highlights for me was i couldn't wait to show them the the kz 1000 that that's downstairs from terminator 2 right <laughs> that's my husband's bike yeah but you get and it's a honda yeah, it's not. That's oh, what I love yeah. about it. You it, like from, from like 20 he, feet, he, it looks like it. He rode the motorcycle up the staircase um, before it goes out the window and mm -hmm. all that. The helicopter. Um, That's so cool. Yeah, he rode it up with the front end on fire. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but I love I love you can get paid to do that because I did that the other day, but I didn't get paid for it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love showing people like the the trickery the movie making when yeah, you have well, it's a different bike underneath several bikes that you know or were dirt bikes uh, and he made them look like the actual bike that they wanted to use for the movie like the and bike you're you're also in the Hollywood stuntman uh, Hall of Fame yes is there anything left to win is there any awards you've I yet also was inducted into the trailblazer hall of fame nice yeah, actually trailblazers is I, pretty amazing i wanted to mention really that amazing. because we're talking about all these you know um you know you, amazing things you've done but something that i think was really amazing uh we talked about how you used to compete in trials and then you got into the movie business and you were out of it for a couple decades, right? Um, I was out for 18 years. And then you decided to get back in it and compete. Uh, yeah, that my husband came up with this crazy idea. Crazy <laughs> idea, like they're doing like world <laughs> championships or something, right? And yeah, well, see, when I rode, I actually rode the Scottish Six Days in yes. 78. I oh, was the God. only woman. And wow. um, so there weren't 
women competing at that level. Right. And, and so they came up with an unofficial women's world championship mm-hmm. in Torre Pellice, Italy. And, um, my husband found out about it and he, you know, said, Oh, you should go do this. And I'm thinking <laughs> I got two small kids and I don't know if I can do it or not. And he said, we'll make it work. And my sister offered to watch the kids and, <laughs> and enabler, so- enabler. <laughs> <laughs> So I trained and, and I had Jeff Aaron come over mm-hmm. and he helped me a few times with the new riding style on the new bikes because it's a whole different riding style. And after an 18-year um, layoff, there were 42 entries from 12 diff- different countries and I, was, I took eighth. Not bad. Nice. And if you, <laughs> yeah. if you doubled the winner's age, she was still younger than me. I was gonna say, how how old were you uh, when you went when you went back? I think it was forty. Dude, and then wow. didn't you do it again the next year? Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Awesome. So, so are you yeah, done with I, trials? I was on the uh, trials to nations team. Yeah, and you know, uh, I I just want to say that's real biker shit. so in the same vein as you talk about it so i'm kind of curious debbie what motorcycles do you have in the garage right now oh good question oh gosh we got about 30 motorcycles (laughs) (laughs) okay let me let me rephrase the question what are your favorite motorcycles that you have in the garage right now well um i'd I I love my old TY-175. We've been going out oh. and doing vintage stuff on that, and I've been having a blast. Sweet. One of them's in the AMA Museum. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we like to go. We live right near a canyon road that's really twisty and a lot of fun. Oh. Mm. And I like riding the old, uh, well, it's not – an old, it's the new retro 06 Bonneville. Ah, I love that bike. Yeah. And, and it's so much fun because the road we have is real technical and I can blow crotch rockets away. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, and then I have my Ducati 996 that the director's matrix gave me. (gasps) Wait, is it, it's the green? No. No. Um, okay. I've it, seen that bike at Warner Brothers. The green one? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have we have a green one. Lane. I came home from location. I'd always wanted one of those, a 998. And um, I came home from location, and I walked in. I was in Vancouver for monster trucks. And I walk in the front door, and there's – a matrix green Ducati sitting right in the living room with the ladies <laughs> on it. Welcome home. That's Lane awesome. surprised wow. me. That was cool. And yeah, I still have, there's so much more questions. We've, we've been at this a while. So I want to make sure we cover though. Um, Cause I said, I really wanted to talk about your family and we know that, you know, your husband is in, in the business and you've mentioned your sister. She's also in the business. Did she follow you in? Yes, she did. Very shortly after, she started mm-hmm. working background, extra work, mm-hmm. and uh, then she got her A-card, and and because of all her motorcycle riding and everything, it's such great training for our stunts. I mean, you just, I treat stunts like I'm walking a section or walking a track or anything, so I, I take everything into account, 
and and I can see what it is that I'm going to do before I do it. And I visualize it. If I can't see something happening, I know I have to stop and go back to the spot where it glitches and fix it. And it's just been, it's a natural thing for me, you know, and that's so fun too. Cause the guys, they like to bet on where you're going to land in a jump, you know, like I jumped a, into a junkyard on wonder woman and, and everybody's betting, so they're putting quarters down and tape marks all over it. And I, oh my I, God. I go, I'm going to land right there. And, oh, no, no, you're not. It's, you're going to land out there. And, oh, you're going to land here. And, and when I landed, I was right on my mark. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, uh, a lot of times when we talk to very accomplished riders and, and we like to ask them what's their proudest accomplishment, quite often the answer is their children. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if it's the same for you because you have three kids, right? Yes. And how many have gone into the business so far? Well, our oldest one did some stunts when he was younger. Mm-hmm. And then he also did background driving mm-hmm. for a, a driving t- team, Bill Young's driving team. And they, those were the people that we could trust to do what we needed to do to you know, right. get through them and do all that. So he did that for a while, but his love was always music producing. So oh. that's what, what he's doing now. And Ooh. then um, the middle son, he's he's a stuntman. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, I knew he was going to be from day one. He was just always jumping and twisting and turning. And he was riding a dirt bike when he was three and a half. And there we go. Was, there yeah. we go. Had to beat the bar that was set for you. Like, oh, pretty impressive. She started riding when she was six. Six. Nope. Her son. Yeah. <laughs> I saw an interview where you were talking about how he was like, look, mom, and doing jumps. Yeah. That, yeah. That you know, yeah. He, when he was just little tiny. Go, I got six feet of air and he'd stick his little butt off to the side. And it was so cute. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, you know. He thought he was really up there. But That's so was, Southern California. I'm so gifted, jealous of you guys. Gifted kid, you know, and and then our daughter, um, we used to take him, uh, the middle one, Daniel and Rebecca, to the um, youth nationals in Tennessee. And mm. Becca at age six beat all the boys and got a f- first place championship. Excellent. So would you say that that is your proudest accomplishment, your children? Oh, of course. Yeah, there you go. And then, (laughs) you know, it was so cool because we just went up to Point Arena and they all came with us, except for the oldest one who's got a wife and and two kids. Mm -hmm. So um, being a grandma is pretty cool, too. That's like. Oh, that's cool. That's that's awesome. Because you're probably like the coolest grandma on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> Can you be my grandma? I know. <laughs> We're the same age, but still. And they, the other thing that's amazing is, I mean, having kids didn't stop you. Having grandkids hasn't stopped you. You're still working. If it wasn't for the pandemic going on right now, mm-hmm. in, in fact, I think you've been up in our area working recently, earlier this year, weren't you? Um. Are you allowed to oh, oh, mention yes, that? I was. I, was uh, <laughs> I think I even emailed you. Any chance you're up our way right now? 
Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she flies a helicopter hit, hit. for Cal Fire because I'll believe it. She's a yeah. Cal Fire helicopter pilot. I'm it was, sure. Just say I, I was up there, and yes, it was pretty cool, and um, it was good to be a part of it again. Um, and and cool. I had a special spot, so. And and actually, I, I'll I'll talk about what isn't a secret, like like pictures that I've seen that have gone out there. So up in San Francisco, uh, and this is stuff we've talked about. They're working on. They were working on the Matrix up there, and I was fascinated seeing the scenes of the motorcycle and how it's now attached to that rig. That whole rig that has the crew and the cameras and the motorcycle attached that lets it lean, which mm-hmm. is like such a, a so far we've come from the old trailers that you'd see like Paunch, you know, on chips, how he never yeah, moves, chips. <laughs> you yeah, know. Totally. Which um, you also worked on too, right? Yes, I did work a lot of chips. Yeah. Uh, and so did one, Gary. One, one, we worked a lot together on yeah. that. Well, one of the formative shows from my childhood. So I did my first car turnover on that. Oh so wow! Do you feel safer with all this? These new rigs that they use for for scenes now, or do you like just let me loose, let me do it? I'd rather do it. Yeah. I, you know, there's there's certain things they need to do, like on um, Matrix Reloaded, we mm-hmm. had a rig for coming off of the uh, car carrier. Mm-hmm. So it took started up on top and I had to do stuff to keep it, you know, the wheel spinning and doing all that. And then it, it my wheel actually touched the ground Yeah, and, as we were moving. So, so you couldn't jump a Ducati off of there mm-hmm. and live or have the thing still be in one piece. Yeah. And then we took a, um, a regular ramp and we set it up, you know, pretty high uh, and then I would, I jumped off. We put a motocrosser on the back this time <laughs> because I wanted someone who could fly right and who knew how to take oh. the weight off of me. Cause we tried a dummy at first, yeah. but the dummy, even off of something this high, just buried me into the tank. Mm. So, oh yeah. I could see so, that. Yeah. So we got David Barrett on the back and we, you know, hit that ramp 12 times. And every time we got off the bike, you know, trying to get different angles co- coming down to match the rig. And um, every time we'd get off, we'd tr- check for stress cracks and everything before we got, got on and do it again. So that was that was pretty amazing. But those type of things, sometimes we have to do those in order to get the big, huge look that they're wanting. Yeah, Gary uh, shared that with us on on t2 that when they had to jump down into the canal and they had it on the wires and the crane because he said otherwise the bike can't the suspension can't handle it you're gonna bounce everywhere you're gonna break your spine uh so yeah those 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 little tricks to make it yeah and then with the actors you know before uh the the rigs that they did have would turn the wrong way when you were turning yeah. And oh no. They have new new ways where they can actually make it turn the correct direction. Right. And you know, we we get on those things and we test them before the actors ever see them. And so the one comment I'll make, I'll just jump in right quick is is cuz we've interviewed other Hollywood stunt people, by far you're the most badass. <laughs> but the level of trust, what I notice is there's a funnel. Like when you're young, you fall off a horse 
you get shot by an Indian, you do something. But by the time you've lived long enough to be as you are, Debbie, you're like into cars, you know this, but it, it it's more, it's like an art based on a science. Yeah. Like you have to have the instincts, you have to have the reactions. It, like you have to grow up doing this stuff. You can't you can't learn this any other way. Yeah. Yeah, it, you know, it really it's got to be part of you and uh you know, I just, I always say, well, on my first job, they handed me a sword and told me to jump off this embankment. And I looked at him and I said, you're going to pay me to play. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's just, and I look at it and I go, I was training for this job my entire life yeah. and didn't know it. Yeah. I mean, did you have like martial arts training or anything like that when you were a kid aside from just being totally an active kid and Martial arts. Well, I I used to watch <laughs> kung fu, and, and I would go. Um, the end of my bed was here, and the door was here with mirror on it, and yeah. I would practice all my moves. And when I went to take kung fu, the kung fu master said to me, "Have you taken any martial arts?" And I said, "No." And we'd do some more stuff, and he'd go. Have you taken any martial arts? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> and he goes, Oh, come on, you've taken some martial arts. I said, No. <laughs> I said, oh, well, said run yeah, around. But that's the my DT out in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, just just imitating Kwai Chang Kang. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Apparently he's a good teacher. So um, I have another question for you because, I mean, we talked about there's stunts you've done where you got injured and it sounds crazy but doing like stunts without helmets and stuff. So I want to know, have there been times where you said no? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, yes, but I like to, I like to think of another way to do it. Mm. So it doesn't, you know, you're not just saying, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, for me, I don't do high, high falls because my family is most important to me. Mm -hmm. And I know too many people who have hit the edge of bags and things. So yeah, I'm, yeah. and you know, they're no longer here or they're injured for life. And I just, there's certain things like that, that I will say no. But if I'm in my area where I know like cars and motorcycles, where I really know that I know, or even sometimes physical things, I'll, I'll say, hey, uh, would you mind if we did it this way instead? Mm -hmm. Would this work? Um, I have a question be comfortable for you. with that. Yeah, I have a question for you, Debbie. I mean, it's probably very stereotypical, but, you know, there's this notion of directors and actors having this animosity between each other you know he's difficult she's difficult whatever do will a director as a stunt person do they afford you a little more um, i don't want to say respect but because it's so high stakes your opinion really cuts more value with them if they say we want you to do this and you're like no hang on that won't wash oh i love that emma thank you 
You know, um, did I fr well, was that Google? Google? Does that make sense to there you? There was one time when the director asked me to wheelie a motorcycle with an Uzi in my left hand and shoot at a guy up on a building. And Nothing I said, wrong with that. Barbed wire. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I said, um, that won't happen. Yeah. How does that? How does that happen? <laughs> I said. Come here and hold this Uzi. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I kind of made it a joke, you know, and, and I said, if you really want that to happen, we can put her on a trailer and we can make mm -hmm. a rig that'll bring it up. Right. But it's not a realistic <laughs> shot. Right. Uh, but that's up to you. And um, so, you know, uh, there are directors that are hard and difficult to deal with but you you have your stunt coordinator there oh go ahead and name them <laughs> <laughs> oh, eliza allow me this allow me this um debbie if you could like 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 you you're established if you could pick a director to work with and what the mm. film might be or the shot might be what shot would you create and what director would you like to work with Oh, gosh. Um, well, I've worked with a lot of directors. I mean, the Wachowskis um, are pretty amazing. They're some of my favorite. Yeah, I have to say Andy was really amazing to work for. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I had the time of my life because I got to be creative with, with him, you know, in the project. And it was just so much fun. Um, but now I'm not, I'm not quite sure. We have a lot of what we call second unit directors, mm -hmm. which yeah, are stunt Gary. people that yeah. direct right. the action scenes. Yeah. And I get to work with some amazing, great people and, and it's collaborative. Like a lot of times they'll call us in and, and we'll talk about the scene and, and not everything is written and we'll get to put our input in. And so I go to so many different, I work with so many different people. It's hard for me to say one person. Mm -hmm. So let me rephrase the question. I'm going to beat Liza because she wants to ask you something too. If you were going to create a motorcycle action scene in a movie, what scene would you create? Um, well, I'm sick of everything being on the road. I would love to get off into the dirt and some terrain Ooh. Cool. and, you know, really do some fun stuff. Uh, I yeah. know that usually it's just the guys that get to do that kind of stuff. And um, great. I will write it and I'll give you a call. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go out to, to Johnson Valley in Mojave. I'll meet you there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's there's one stunt in a car that I've always wanted to do, and it's, you know, the the uh, trucks that are tow trucks, yeah, that mm -hmm. are are loader trucks that that hit the ground. Mm -hmm. When yep. I see those off to the side of the road, I just want to turn. And just, in fact, I. I I have my kids in the car on the way to school, and I, you know, they're not, they're older now. But well, wait a minute. You know, I would go flashback, and then I turn over like I was Because I, I was just watching the Chicago video, Stay the Night, before this episode. And didn't you do the stunts for that? Yeah, I didn't do the jump through the building. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. 
Um, I did everything else. So I've got your script, Debbie. I've got your script right here. So the heroine is enjoying a candlelight dinner with James Bond, and she's being chased by the KGB. So they come in the front of the restaurant. She dashes out the back, steals a TY-175 from the guy. You need some faster than that. (laughs) Well, okay, so he's got a DT-400, and she steals that. She's still got a cocktail dress and heels on, makes a dash, sees a tow truck by the side of the road, zips up the ramp, and disappears into the desert. Closing credits. Yes, let's write it. Yeah, there's all kinds of cool things we could do. Yeah, like I'm buying tickets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Debbie, I wanted to thank you for coming on. We've had you on for so long. I, I have one more question I want to ask you, and, and then we'll let you go. And, and, and hopefully, uh, since your career is not over, maybe we can have you on again another time and, and talk to you more. But the question I would like to ask is the same one that I posted on Facebook last week. I would like to know from you, what is the greatest motorcycle stunt scene in a movie According to you, and it could be with you or without you, but what's the one for you that you're most impressed with? Well, Matrix Reloaded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. I second that. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. When, when I know I'm in it, but it, it was pretty darn cool. And Heck yeah. usually when, when I do something, I go and I watch it and I go, oh, could have done that better. I could have done that better. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the second time I watch it, I go, eh, wasn't so bad. Then the third time I go, oh, that was pretty good. This one, I was sitting in the theater. I watched it and I stood up after the chase scene and went, yes. That was me. I didn't so say that, thing, but. But I'm thinking they got it right. It was awesome. Uh, yeah. Cool. So one, I, I would, if if you would humor us at some point down the road, I would love to do a deep dive into the movies, into into Matrix, that stuff. It's like there's so much that you've done. It, yeah, it's, I, it's, I, it's we're amazing. Just touching on things all along, and you know, it's it's uh, it's a lifetime of getting to do what I love. You Isn't know, that great. Well, and, and it's, and it's still going. And that's what I love hearing well, that you're still going to vintage to shows. It's, uh, mm-hmm. one of the reasons I couldn't meet with you to begin with was Lane and I were going off to Europe to yeah. do the Edelweiss Alp Extreme. That's tour. right. I remember. Oh, cool. I was on an RS 1200 and Lane was on the GS 1200 BMWs. Mm-hmm. And we had the time of our life, 26 mountain passes in six days. Wow. And we just blitzed through the Alps and the Dolomites. And what a great tour the Edelweiss was. Good food, beautiful places to stay. And you don't have to worry about where you're going. Mm -hmm. And so this is something that I saw at a motorcycle show a long time ago, the Edelweiss tours. And then, you know, I couldn't do it because I was working. We had kids. And everything else, and we kept talking about it all these years, and we finally went and did it. And oh man, it was oh, I got a really quick story to tell you. Yes, you can tell us as many stories as you want. The guide was really fast, and I I (laughs) go right on his tail, 
and and I'd just you know follow him and he'd stop and I'd be right there and mm -hmm. at the end of the second day he goes pulls over and he goes I've been trying to lose you for two days. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> and I said, yeah, really? And I, he goes, yeah, I, I just can't seem to lose you. And I said, well, I'm a grandma. <laughs> and he started He's 23. She's started awesome. fast, fast granny. She's still crushing <laughs> egos, still doing it. That's great. Well, hey Debbie, you'd be oh you you may be uh, excited to know that I'm giving a tour of Pakistan uh next year if you're if you want to come on a tour, come with me on Pakistan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is amazing. You want to get on some dirt roads and I'm talking landslides and oh, yeah. uh, and we're riding local Pakistani little bikes. Oh wow. Uh, it's it's a it's a hell of a, tri of a trip, but we go up to the mountains, go up to China. Uh it's it's a pretty amazing tour. I bet. I've seen, you know, they keep they keep sending these horrible things that are like a brochure with all mm -hmm. these places that they go yeah. and I just I look at this. Oh, I want to go there. I want to. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know when I'm put, I'm doing that. I think next September. Oh, and then a tour. one thing I wanted to mention was mm -hmm. um, I went and did the uh, the women's conference at AMA yeah. many years ago. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Excellent. And then we we rode from we rode to uh, the the AMA museum in mm -hmm. Pickerington. And mm -hmm. I remembered going in there into the museum and just looking at all the names on the wall. Yeah. And looking at, you know, because we used to go to Ascot and watch them race. And I knew, you know, we did, <laughs> we did the, uh, Ascot's you know, awesome. The, That's what the, the desert plus the trials. And I always followed cycle news and all that stuff. And, oh. and so, I looked at all these names and some of them I knew because my dad knew them and I, you know, I got to meet them and some my dad just talked about. And then um, there were uh, people that I had ridden with and I knew like Bud Eakins and yeah. Dave Eakins and right. all that. And, and I just thought to myself real quietly, you know, I just thought, well, maybe I'll be there one day. And then so, I, didn't, I didn't say anything because, you know, it just seemed too far-fetched. Right. And I, I got inducted, and I just i am yeah. so proud of that. And so hey. that's why whenever there's a fire, I literally, literally, mm -hmm. literally I have, I have uh, six Taurus World Stunt Awards in here, and I grabbed the AMA. Yes him a medal you know and take that throw it in the car first i love the fact you, you, you elucidated it's like we could talk to you forever debbie i swear to god but you just brought up ascot and the old flat track racing mm -hmm. and it's like what a, what a what a cool period period of southern california motorcycling and american racing was ascot and that flat track racing right we used to have gp racers we don't have any more american gp racers God, I miss the flat track racing. And I could talk to you about all day about like your dad, you flat track racing in Southern California. Yeah, it you know, it was it was definitely a hub of motorcycle activity mm -hmm. and car racing and everything else. And 
it's a shame that so much of that is gone now. Yeah. So, but, you, you know, it's really fun to go to trailblazers and talk to all of the and meet the, your heroes and the people that you watched growing up and a lot of them that you know and maybe don't well never got to meet speaking of meeting your heroes you mentioned that you were recently at a motorcycle rally are there any other events you're going to be going to that somebody may be able to walk up and say hi and say that they heard you heard you on our show um, I don't have anything planned right now. Um, with my schedule with work, it's they call and I go to work. Yeah. So a lot of times everything is on a, um, you know, last minute basis yeah. as to whether I'm really going to be able to go. We're talking about going up to a vintage motorcycle trials up at Bushy Ranch. And they have they have motocross and all kinds of stuff there, too. Um, it's a big vintage event. So that's, that's where we, we went to the, uh, the Hopetown reunion. Mm -hmm. So. Well, good. Maybe we can drag you to the AMA vintage days one year. It's an event we all love to go to. Yeah, I would love it too. It's just, like I said, when I'm still working, my schedule gets pretty booked up you know does that mean you have no plans to retire not right now i love it that's real biker <laughs> shit man <laughs> but the other real biker shit if you know ama you know district 37 and i get the district 37 yeah. newsletter every month and if you want to ride motorcycles hang out in southern california oh yeah Di district 37 oh they're awesome Nice. Yes. Well, Debbie, again, I wanted to thank you for coming on. It meant a lot to me. Uh, not just not just your stunt career, but um, everything that you it's the passion. It's the motorcycles and how they've been a part of your life through your father, your husband and your kids. And we share in that, too. Motorcycling is our life. And we love to talk to other people who have that same drive and passion. So I really want to thank you for coming on our show and sharing your stories. Yeah. Thank you for all the memorable scenes in these awesome movies. That's good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I was showing all my friends your um your stunt highlight reel. I showed all my friends this week. I'm like, no, you got to watch this because your stunt <laughs> highlight reel is unbelievable. You fly through the air. Okay, Ghostbusters. When you were flying through the air, <laughs> yeah. that was awesome. Probably like your least like favorite stunt, but it was still so, cool. So as I'm, I'm. I got my legs up in the air, you know, I'm, I'm hanging upside down like a bat and they pull <laughs> in a table just to, to support my back while we're waiting in between takes. And Bill Murray comes up to me, he goes, so you hang out here often? <laughs> <laughs> That's so Bill Murray. Classic Bill. Classic Bill. That guy, yeah. that guy. So yes, amazing. Congratulations on 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 all your awards and uh yeah, I don't know what's left to win for you, but I hope you win those two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I I'm feel very blessed to be doing what I love and still be getting the chance to do it. You know, when I was younger, they told me if I get got married, I wouldn't work. If I had kids, I wouldn't work. If um, if I didn't take location jobs, I wouldn't work because I didn't take location jobs when the kids were little. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I limited the amount of time I was gone and, uh, you know, 
and then they say when you're 40, your career's over. And yeah. I never listened to any of it. I mean, I was like, well, who are you? You didn't tell me how my life should go. I don't believe you. Yeah. And, and when they say you're too big to, to get a job in the industry, maybe I shouldn't have listened. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, know, you didn't get where you got by listening to people who said that yeah, thing. Things, right? <laughs> I know. So yeah, thank you again. Um, you guys go to debbieevans.com if you would like to see the reel that we're talking about, and you'll see a lot of these stunts we're talking about. Is there any uh, other things you'd like to have people check out? Any of your favorite movies or anything? Um. <clears throat> well, uh, not. I mean. Not really. It's just it's just what I do and I love and um, like you said, I've well, I've got I've got over four hundred credits, yeah. movies and TV, well, and um, I'm always the thing about me is I go to work and, and I do my job and then I come home and then I'm mom. Yeah, you know, and and mm -hmm. I busy taking care of everything at home, so. Uh, just my favorite movies would probably be the Fast and Furious, Matrix mm -hmm. Reloaded, and Herbie, fully loaded, and and then there's a few others, uh, but you know. Well, I'll tell you what's on my list, and I think Emma agrees with me. Death Sport. <laughs> <laughs> this movie totally. looks crazy. Totally. But that, it's, a, what, that was I a DT, wasn't it? Oh my God! These crazy bikes. Crazy stunts, David Carradine. Yeah. Uh, it's so vintage Carradine, 70s. I mean, I was in awe because I watched Kung Fu. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like Grasshopper. Oh. Fucking Grasshopper. Oh. We're all doing this. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is so much fun. Thank you so much. We will let you go, and uh, I'll stay in touch. Yeah, and sorry it took so long. No, oh, hey, it was worth the wait, and uh, I hope I hope you get back to work soon. I know that a lot of production has been shut down, and uh, we'll continue to follow you, and I'll continue to harass you and get you on the show again. Okay, well, my next job, if if COVID lets me, is driving a hook and ladder truck or a ladder. Oh, cool. uh, 911? TV show? No. Oh, okay. Evan, I know. That's like, I, we have so many questions. Like, how do you transition from, because I've noticed that people fall off horses, they fall off motorcycles. Eventually, they get in a car and they start doing car stunts. Well, and I think it's because you know what you're doing. When you're a good motorcycle rider, you understand things like traction, momentum, suspension, lines, uh, waiting, unwaiting. Uh, there's so much that just comes natural. So you know how you're on a bike and you're sit, you feel the bike underneath you. Well, the same thing happens in a car. You know, mm -hmm. you feel what's happening with the car and you just automatically know what to do. And so because of my motorcycle riding, I just excelled at the cars. Yeah. And there's a whole lot more car work than there is motorcycle work for women. It nice. probably doesn't hurt as much either. <laughs> it does not. Uh, ask, you have to cage around you. Actually, <laughs> don't ask Gary about that because he's very well, proud to yeah. say he was never injured on a motorcycle, but he was injured in a car. He broke his back. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, they're not always safe. How many, yeah. How many Garys do you know? 
<laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much. We'll let you go. I hope you have a, a wonderful evening. And, okay, thank uh, you. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure. Nice to meet you all. Okay. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much. Awesome. Amazing. Okay. Amazing. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, so Liza, do you need to take a moment? Guys, you need to take a moment because I like it. I know, like you're like you yeah, decompressed at this moment. How awesome was that? That was amazing. Dude, awesome. Dude. that was so cool. She's, She's awesome. Is one of the most awesome writers ever. I mean, yeah, the whole wow. story. I love. After 18 years out of competition, she goes and competes in the world trials. I'll like, say oh she, my god! You know what? She has her pri priorities in order. You know what I mean? Like, like, smart woman. Fucking That's well exactly done. what it is. You have to Priorities. be smart. She's got to sort it out. Tell, we know? didn't even talk about, we didn't even mention, because this is something that people have mentioned so much in all the interviews over the years, but there's a trick she was known for doing, and she used to actually um, do a little stunt, stunt shows, right? But you can see video of this if you look up Debbie Evans' headstand. Is this like the flaming boards? No, Debbie Evans' headstand. She would yes. ride up on her yes. trials bike. Seen that. Stop without putting a foot down or a kickstand down and just balancing. And she would maneuver and stand on the front wheel, put her head on the seat, and do a headstand while balancing a non-moving bike. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, come on. Without touching the ground. Come on. Enough said. <laughs> so you guys we we've got emails but I, I we've gone over time i don't think we're gonna get to them i think i think we're just gonna let this one coast out like this that was a great interview i'm so excited yeah that was really cool um yeah so what do you guys think emma we i know we said that the gary davis interview was the greatest interview we've ever done i don't know I don't know. I mean, that might be. It's getting up there, isn't it? Uh, is this the greatest interview we've ever done? Well, you know, for a rinky-dink little podcast out of Santa Cruz, we get some pretty <laughs> awesome people. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, Liza has this compelling power to just harangue people and do what you want. <laughs> no, I won't, I won't disagree with that. <laughs> that works, though. <laughs> it's funny. I, I, I'm so happy for Liza because... Um, because you have been talking that literally for years, mm -hmm. literally for years since I've known right. you and I've known motorcycles, you have mentioned Debbie's name. Um, and like, if I say I don't know who Debbie is, you look at me like an old cow at a new gate. <laughs> um, so it was a, it was great to have her because like, holy shit, I like I got goosebumps like when she was coming on. Yeah, because that's that's about as cool as Hollywood gets. And she was so grounded and so nice. Like so many motorcycle people we meet, mm -hmm. they're normal people. They're right. grounded. They know what's important in life. And they ride motorcycles really fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah, it so, doesn't yeah. get much better than that. It doesn't um, get much better than Debbie. I know you want to end the show, Liza. Mm -hmm. I just want to end with a very, very quick bit of news. Okay. And the only reason I want to squeak it in, it's kind of an exclusive. <gasps> what? And well, <laughs> Well, so, everybody knows that one of my heroes is Barry Sheen. Yeah. And, but there's a second British motorcycle racer. Ooh, 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 and, and arguably, he had the greatest comeback ever. Yeah. His name was Mike Aylwood. Oh, yes. Mike Aylwood. And Mike yes. Aylwood 
really ended his career in 1967. But the comeback story, in 1978, he got a Ducati and he won the 1978 Isle of Man TT. It was, mm-hmm. It's considered the greatest comeback in motorcycle racing history. Now, I met Mike personally many, many times, not through any fame. He had a motorcycle shop in my hometown. But here's the piece of news. His story is coming to the big screen. <gasps> yeah. Oh, wow. It's due yeah. to be released next year. Yes. Yeah. So Excellent. look for the Mike Hellwood story. It's an absolutely brilliant story. That is good news. Thank you for sharing that. It's going to be a movie party. Yeah, Ooh. it is. When that comes out, I'm just going to keep watching it until I get tired of watching it. So that might be my career from that point forward, movie watcher. Nice. I like it. <laughs> well, there was a there was a Norton at the garage today, wasn't there? Yeah, uh, yeah. Mark three, uh, Mark three Commando. Oh, Very yeah. nice too. Very Had nice. some upgraded brakes and stuff, huh? Yeah, upgraded brakes, gas tank. Really, really nice job. One of my uh, one of my clients, Brent. I'm building a 650 Triumph engine for him. Mm. Yeah. Cool. So I think we're ready, ready to wrap up. Let me just throw in all the things. Uh, I got T-shirts for sale, twenty-five dollars. Uh, PayPal it to recyclemotorcyclegarage at gmail dot com with your size. Yeah. Knock. You still need to get one, don't you? Or did you get one? I did not get one. Yeah, dude. He got a haircut instead. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Remind me next time you're here. I'll get you one of the shirts. Um, if you know anyone who's uh, lost all their stuff in the fire. Contact me, RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com or send them down. We want to get gear to them. And uh, go to MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com and you'll find the links to everything. I think that covers it. Um, wow. I'm just like, that, yeah, I'm I still know. riding You're the high. tingling. I'm riding the high. I'll just say, in a, in, a, in, a, in a messed up 2020, this is the highlight. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That's a good point. So well, on, go take a shower, Liza. <laughs> <laughs> on that shower. note, know, right? thank you, everyone, especially um, to the people who have sent in gear and to uh, oh, the listeners sent in all the stickers. We have night banana stickers. Yes. Yes. There's already one on my bike. Yes. I love it. And especially to our Patreon subscribers, thank you so much for everything you do. Um, I think we're ready to get out of here. Thanks, everyone. This is Liza. This is Doc. This is Doc. Yes. I don't know. We're going to wrap this shit up. Naked Jim, son. We're out. There you go. And we are out of here. Cool. 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 Cool.